The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we bring you stories about, well, just about everything, from the arts to sports, from business to history, and everything in between, including your stories. Send them to OurAmericanNetwork.org. That's OurAmericanNetwork.org. And now we bring you our Women of True Grit series. Our friend Edie Hand has come across many women whose stories of hardship, character, and perseverance caused her to write a book called Women of True Grit. Now Edie is bringing some of those women along with many others to our airwaves. Today, Edie brings us the story of Mary Sparks, a tale of faith and family as told by her son Sparky. Here's Edie. Mary Sparks exhibited strength of conviction throughout her life. But oddly enough, it all started with an affair 
a stolen baby, and her Catholic faith. Here's her son Sparky to recount his mother's tale. I guess the time to start this story is in 1943. My mother fell in love with a married man who was about to ship off to the war. Mary couldn't bear the idea of losing her love, so she attempted to join the Women's Army Corps, a wax for short. And when she joined the wax, she took her physical and found out she was pregnant. My grandfather, great Polish gentleman, he shipped her to Chicago to a home for unwed mothers where she worked like a dog for several months and then had my sister. My sister who always made fun of me growing up and told me I was adopted. My grandmother took the train from Terre Haute, Indiana to Chicago to pick up my mother who had just had this child. And my mother had been very weak and very Really, I, I think she, they, were, they abused her from the standpoint of making her cook and clean for other people in this home. So my mother and grandmother had put my sister up for adoption. And the people were supposed to be there that afternoon to pick up my sister. But on the way to the train station, neither could shake the feeling that something just wasn't right. And my mother said, I can't give up this baby. I just can't do it. And my grandmother said, well, your father is not gonna let us come home with a baby. We have to give up this child. And my mother said, do you wanna give up the child? And my grandmother said, no, I don't want to. And my grandmother, who didn't speak English very well, Polish was her first language, told the cab driver to turn around when they got to the train station. And they went back to this home, walked in the door. The people who were adopting my sister were there to pick her up. And my mother just went in, grabbed my sister, and she and my grandmother ran down the steps, back into the cab, and fired off toward the train station. My grandmother, as they were running out, grabbed all the paperwork she could get a hold of with both hands and held it into her. And then they sorted it out on the train and, and destroyed it. But then they had Sparky's grandfather, Mary's father, to deal with. But that wouldn't be much of a problem. So then they got home to Terre Haute. My grandmama just told him he was just going to have to get used to it. A year or two later, a World War II prisoner of war returned home to Indiana and began courting Mary. But she felt like she had to hide her child out of shame. There's several stories of her hiding my sister from him when he would come pick her up for a date. My, my grandmother and grandfather ran a uh, boarding house. And while that provided useful cover for a while, it only had to fail once for the gig to be up. After they got serious and they started dating, my dad came in one day unannounced and there was my sister in a playpen. And my dad said, who is this baby? 
And my mother started crying and said, this is my child. And my dad said, well, who's the father? And my mother said, he has gone away. My dad looked down at her and said, well, this child needs a father. So I guess we need to get married, Mary. And that's how he proposed to mom. My sister found out all of this because this was a big secret in our family. We didn't know this story until my sister, when she was about 22, tried to get a passport. And she said, I was born in Terre Haute, Indiana. And they told her, called her back the next day and said, Miss Bauer, you were born in Chicago. What? You were born at a uh, home for unwed mothers. And my, my sister, who had tormented me all my life, telling me I was adopted. Uh, we, you know, and then we started finding out all this story. I always thought that my sister was treated a little bit differently than the other kids. And both, all the brothers and sisters on the Sparks side of the family, 11 of them, and all the brothers and sisters on the Cummins, which is, they had Americanized from Kaminsky uh, side of the family, uh, kept this a secret from all us kids. Growing up, nobody knew. And nobody needed to know. His parents didn't want any undue attention. And more than that, his father wanted his sister Sharon to have a loving home, full of love, conviction, and grief. And more of this remarkable story, an amazing love story. Our Women of True Grit series continues, Mary Sparks' story, after these messages. Folks, if you love the great American stories we tell and love America like we do, we're asking you to become a part of the Our American Stories family. If you agree that America is a good and great country, please make a donation. A monthly gift of $17.76 is fast becoming a favorite option for supporters. Go to OurAmericanStories.com now and go to the Donate button and help us keep the great American stories coming. That's OurAmericanStories.com. And we're back with Our American Stories and our Women of True Grit series and Mary Sparks' story. Her boyfriend, when he found out that her daughter, born out of wedlock, didn't have a father, proposed on the spot and raised the daughter as his own. Now we bring you the rest of Mary's story of faith and family, told again by her son, Sparky. Here's Edie. The Sparks family had no shortage of children, seven to be exact. And as good Catholics, you'd expect that. Mary and Jesse did their best to raise their kids well, with faith and family at the heart of all they did. But in 1973, that all would be put to the test. I was a student at uh, the University of Alabama. It was on a, uh, a Thursday morning in the spring. I get a call from my mother and my mother said, 
I need you home. And I said, well, okay. Uh, spring break is in a couple of months and I'm planning on coming home to the farm. And she said, no, I need you home today. I said, what's going on? Is dad okay? Your father's fine. And uh, I need you home. And I said, Mama, I've got a test tomorrow, Friday. I said, I've got a test. She said, tell your professor that you've got a family emergency and you need to come home. I need you to be with me for a few days. Are you sick? No. And dad's okay? Yeah. What's the, what will I tell him the emergency is? I'm sure if you just tell him there's a family emergency, he'll let you take your test next week. I had the toughest professor on just about on campus teaching music history, Dr. Nicolosi. I, I knew I was dead and that afternoon, went to see him and I said, I have a family emergency. I'll be glad to take the test right now. But my mother has asked for me to be home in Indiana and I've got to leave. And he said, you just take the test next week and don't worry about it. If this is for your mother and it's a family emergency, then you need to go. I was sure that that man did not have a heart up until that point. <laughs> but I became convinced that maybe he was okay. Got in my car, drove through the night. You know, I was in shock. The whole thing, when I got in the car, I mean, I was so relieved when I got there to see all my brothers were okay because I knew something had happened to somebody and she just wasn't telling me. I mean, I was pretty sure I was coming up there for a funeral of some kind. What a relief it was to find out that wasn't the case. And yet there was still that burning question that even Sparky's siblings were asking. Why are you home? I said, I don't know. Mama wants me home, what's going on? She said, well, Daddy, the last two nights, Daddy slept in the barn. What is going on? We don't know. So we had this big breakfast. My mother had this huge plate of bacon and eggs and ham, and she said, here, take this out to the barn for your father. And I said, why is he sleeping out in the barn? Are you two getting divorced? She said, we're Catholic, we don't get divorced. Take this out to your father. I said, okay, I'm headed out to the barn. Hey, Daddy, he said, I thought you might be coming home. I said, what's going on? He said, I'm sure your mother will tell you when she's ready for you to know. Little did Sparky know that he wasn't just going to find out what was going on but also the depths of his mother's convictions and the lengths that she would go to in order to follow through with them. So after breakfast and clean up, everybody's out doing their chores and mother said, come with me, we've got to go somewhere. We got in the car. I said, please tell me what's going on. She said, your father's had an affair with this young lady and He's gotten her pregnant. I need to talk her into giving us this baby. 
so I can raise it right. So get in the car, let's go. She said, I just don't want you to say anything. So we drove to this lady's house, young lady, it was a small town, I knew her. And uh, we got to her house, her apartment, and she answered the door, she said, what do you want? My mother said, I'm Mary Sparks. You've been having an affair with my husband. I understand you're pregnant. She said, yes, I am. And I want to talk to you, please. May we come in? She said, this is my son, Sparky. She said, I know him. I said, well, we went in, we sat down. And she said, so here's the deal. She said, I will pay for all your expenses. She said, I'll give you $3,000 today. When the child is born, I'll give you $5,000. When the child is born and you sign the paper for us to adopt him. She said, how do you know it's gonna be a boy? And she said, we're Sparks's. That's all we have. She said, I'll raise him right. If you ever wanna be in his life, you can be. And she said, I know you probably don't feel too good about what you've done, but I'm not worried about that. She said, that's for God to decide, judge, not me. She said, will you pay my rent? She said, yes, I'll pay all your expenses. I'll pay your hospital bills, I'll pay everything. And when the child is born and we adopt, and I know you're okay, then it ends, and we will take the child to raise and I'll raise it as my, my own child. She said, all right. She said, have you got the money now? She said, of course, I've got it right here in my purse. And I said, I've got the paperwork. We signed it. We went by the attorney's office, had him notarize it. That's the way my brother Jake came into the world. He knew he was adopted from day one. All my brothers did, but we also knew that we would treat him just like any other brother, and we did. Once again, the Sparks family, in the face of infidelity, was given a gift, and due to their faith, took a child in and accepted it without question as their own. Years later, I went to play golf with my dad. I said, I gotta ask you, did you and mom resume relations with each other? He said, of course. He said, it took two or three months, but your mother was tough as nails, but she always said that God would judge me. It wasn't her place to judge me. And we were married. I was her husband. She was my wife. That's just the way it was. There was a moment in time that I forgave your mother and years later she forgave me. And thanks to Edie Hand for the work there and thanks for Sparky. What a remarkable story and Mary Sparks, what a remarkable woman and great job on the production, Robbie. Just a beautiful job. And by the way, our lives are all messy, but if this is any testimony to what a, a true Christian walk looks like, this is it. 
And it's forgiveness, folks. And it's hard to do, but it's what obedient people of faith do. And my goodness, in other families, this would have been a divorce and a mess. And who knows what would have happened to that child. And in this family, the child is loved. I'll raise him right. Mary Sparks said to this poor young girl, life's tough. But how you deal with these circumstances, we can learn from stories like these. And the relationship got healed. The wife forgave. He forgave himself, too. Because in the end, the guy's got to forgive himself. And of course, their God, well, forgave both of them. Mary Sparks' story on Our American Stories. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Our American Stories, and now it's time for our series, Heroes of the Second World War. And this is one of my favorites, and it's brought to us by Rishi Sharma, a young man that has spent his life traveling the world, interviewing over a thousand Allied soldiers of World War II. In this series, we bring you their stories in their own words. Here is Rishi. 
Between 1939 and 1945, the nations of the world entered the bloodiest war history has ever seen. 16 million Americans served in World War II to fight the Axis powers. Some of these men, the true heroes of the Second World War, are still with us today, but are dying at an alarming rate. By 2018, fewer than half a million were still alive. Today, the youngest are in their mid to late 90s. Since my junior year of high school, I set out to find these men and capture their stories to preserve and honor their memories before they fade away. My name is Harold E. Nelson. They say, if your initials spell something, it's a sign you're going to be wealthy. My initials spells HEN, H-E-N. So, I wait for my wealth. One time, while I was in the service, I wrote this poem. It was expressions of some feelings I felt at that time. When I was a tail gunner at a B-17, stationed at Foggia, Italy, and flying 22 missions over Europe. Tonight, O oh Lord, as I lay in bed and think of the task of tomorrow I dread, I pray that Thou shalt grant me peace and help me forget the job I detest. And so, O oh Lord, as we prepare to take off to do our job up there aloft, may Thou give me courage to see it through and accomplish the task that I am asked to do. And then, O oh Lord, when we reach the spot where the flax seems so clear and hot, I pray that by my faith in you, I'll be able to stick it out, tell it through. And then, O oh Lord, I ask for a safe return. Of course, it is something I always yearn, but no matter what thou would have it be, my faith shall always remain in thee. When the war ended in Europe, there's a lot of celebration, but I just went back to my barracks, laid back on the bed, and just shed tears of relief. I've had enough. Harold returned from the war and entered a seminary in New Jersey where he graduated and then returned to his home state to serve as a pastor at the First United Methodist Church in McPherson, Kansas. A kid living across the street from me was asked to interview a veteran. Well, he knew I was a veteran, so he came to talk to me. And so he made the comment, you consider yourself a Christian, don't you? And I said, yes. He said, you're a Christian? He said, how could you 
as a Christian to go out there and do things to kill other people. And I said, well, we have police departments, don't we? Yeah. So what do they have to do? Sometimes they've got to go out and kill people in order to save other people. And I'm sure that I went on bombing missions. We missed our targets. Sometimes we hit our targets. But there's a lot of dead people afterwards. But that's just the reality of, of war. You know, there's a little book came out called 1945, and it deals with the development of the atom bomb and uh, the thousands of hours that were put in developing that atom bomb and how destructive it was and how many innocent people were killed. But I think that the way the Japanese were, that if we were to try to invade Japanese, first of all, they had on the island I think 400 some mostly American prisoners, they'd be the first ones they'd wipe out. And a lot of them would fight to the death before they give up. So there's no easy answers. I just felt it was my duty. I didn't volunteer for the Army. I, I let them draft me. I made some choices as to how I'd function. I went to gunnery school and went to bombardier school. Changes took place and decided that just be an airman. Harold now lives an hour and a half away from McPherson and receives a list from his parish of birthdays and anniversaries and also a list of those who are sick and have passed away. He has found meaning in calling these people to say happy birthday, happy anniversary, and that he's thinking about them, if they are sick or if their loved ones have passed. That seems to mean a lot to a lot of people. Probably does me more good than it does them. That's probably the reason I'm still alive. I feel I still have some purpose. And a special thanks to Rishi Sharma. And by the way, if you know of any World War II vets alive and wishing to tell their story, reach out to Rishi at heroesofthesecondworldwar.org. That's heroesofthesecondworldwar.org. And what a project for a young man to undertake. What a special, special person Rishi is. And my goodness, what a voice you just heard. Harold Nelson, tail gunner, veteran, World War II, and he didn't get into the specifics. And it was interesting that he didn't, but that prayer said it all in the end. And why write a prayer for yourself like that, unless what you're about to do, well, it's dangerous. And as he confessed, sometimes he knew his bombs missed their targets. And even when they hit, he was responsible for taking a life. And it's a choice he made, and it's something that cops have to do and soldiers have to do. But it doesn't mean there's not a price. That's why we know a lot about PTSD now and 
so much more. They called it shell shock back in the day. And so what, what terrific storytelling. And by the way, being a part of a bomber crew was one of the most deadly occupations during the war. Nearly 71% were reported either killed or missing in action. And by the way, we also have more stories in our Heroes of the Second World War series. A love story of a Mississippi farmer who would fight in Italy and France and would meet a military nurse who he'd spend the rest of his life with. And the second is a first-hand account of surviving Pearl Harbor. And there are and will be many, many more. The story of Harold Nelson, our Heroes of the Second World War series, here on Our American Story. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at Play play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we continue here with Our American Stories, and we love telling stories from the great American literature canon. You've probably read Walt Whitman, or at least you were supposed to in your high school English class. But even if you've heard of Leaves of Grass, you've probably never heard this tale that Hillsdale College professor Kelly Franklin brings us. 
It was winter in 1862, and Americans were fighting our nation's civil war. In mid-December, the Union suffered a disaster at the Battle of Fredericksburg, Virginia. The entrenched Confederates cut down wave after wave of Union soldiers, leaving the Northern Army with 13,000 casualties, more than double those of the Southern defenders. From the Union standpoint, things looked pretty bleak for the formerly United States of America. News of the casualties hit the papers right away, and on December 16th, the American writer Walt Whitman learned that his brother George had been wounded at Fredericksburg. With no other information, Whitman set out to find his brother. He searched the hospitals in D.C. with no luck until a friend lent him money and got him a pass to the front, where George, if he were still alive, might be found. Then, in Falmouth, Virginia, Whitman located his brother safe and sound with only a minor wound to his face. But Whitman also saw something else, something he never forgot. Outside a field hospital, Whitman saw a heap of amputated limbs, enough to fill a one-horse cart. Horrified, he wrote in his diary. At the foot of a tree, immediately in front, a heap of feet, legs, arms, and human fragments cut bloody, black and blue, swelled and sickening. By 1862, Walt Whitman had already achieved some fame and some notoriety as a poet that celebrated the human body. I am the poet of the body. He had written in his 1855 book, Leaves of Grass. And I am the poet of the soul. The man's body is sacred and the woman's body is sacred. But in that grisly moment outside the field hospital, Whitman got his first real glimpse of the human cost of the Civil War. It wasn't long before he knew what he wanted to do about it. In January of 1863, Whitman returned to Washington, D.C., where he began perhaps the greatest undertaking of his life. While the war raged on, Whitman threw himself into the task of visiting the sick and wounded men, both Northerners and Southerners, who languished in the Civil War hospitals. The Union already had many doctors and nurses, but Whitman intuitively knew that people need more than medical treatment to get well. Companionship, comfort, morale boosting, even a kind word. And as a volunteer, Whitman could provide that to the soldiers. He worked a part-time job in the mornings and spent the afternoons and evenings in the hospitals. He talked with the men, sat with them. He brought a satchel full of little gifts, candy, clothes, fruit, money, tobacco, stamps, and paper for writing letters. When the weather was hot, he brought them ice cream. While in the hospitals, Whitman wrote down the names and descriptions of the soldiers in his notebooks, along with anything special they asked for. Henry Benton, Company E, 7th Ohio Volunteer, Ward K, Bed 44. Wants a little jelly and an orange. Wounded last Sunday at Chancellorsville in leg. I saw the bullet and a piece of the bone. Stout hardy Ohio boy. Henry Everly, Bed 8, Ward K, Company H, 28th Pennsylvania Volunteers. Wants a German prayer book. Wounded in the left shoulder pretty bad. Not all of his visits were cheerful. Of a man named Hiram Johnson from the 157th New York Volunteers, Whitman wrote in his notebook, This is the bed of death. Although he supported the Union, Whitman left the politics of the war outside the hospital doors and treated the wounded equally. 
In his memoir of the Civil War, Whitman later described taking care of a 19-year-old boy from Baltimore whose right leg had been amputated. He writes, As I was lingering, soothing him in his pain, he says to me suddenly, I hardly think you know who I am. I don't wish to impose upon you. I am a rebel soldier. I said I did not know that, but it made no difference. Visiting him daily for about two weeks after that while he lived, death had marked him and he was quite alone. Many of these Civil War soldiers died far from family and home. Some of them even died unknown and unidentified. It was the era before dog tags and DNA testing. In March of 1864, Whitman described one of these cases in a letter to his mother. Whitman wrote of the arrival of a train carrying sick and wounded soldiers. Mother, it was a dreadful night, pretty dark, the wind gusty, and the rain fell in torrents. One poor boy, he seemed to me quite young, he was quite small. He groaned some as the stretcher bearers were carrying him along, and again as they carried him through the hospital gate. They set down the stretcher and examined him, and the poor boy was dead. The doctor came immediately, but it was all of no use. The worst of it is, too, that he is entirely unknown. There was nothing on his clothes or anyone with him to identify him, and he is altogether unknown. Mother, it is enough to rack one's heart such things. Very likely his folks will never know in the world what has become of him. And many men died unknown in the war. Many were hastily buried or lost altogether in the chaos and aftermath of battle. This meant that families and friends were denied many of the rituals of grief. But Walt Whitman was also at the height of his career as a poet, and during the war he would write poems of grief and mourning that would help him and the nation express those terrible losses. Walt Whitman had worked with words and language for most of his life. Born on Long Island, he supported himself from a very young age, working at a printing shop, in a law office, and as a teacher. But he soon found his way to authorship, writing journalism, conventional poems, and fiction. Then, in 1855, Whitman published his experimental book, Leaves of Grass, which violated all the current norms of poetry and celebrated the full range of human life, from democracy to sexuality, writing in powerful free verse about the body, the soul, nature, and city life, and the labors of working class men and women. But now, Whitman had a war to write about, and at the end of it, he published a book of war poems called Drum Taps. In one of his best poems, Vigil Strange, I Kept on the Field One Night, Whitman recreates an imaginary moment of grief and burial for the fallen dead. The poetic speaker describes seeing a young soldier struck down in the heat of battle. Unable to stop for the conflict rages on around them, the narrator charges ahead, but returns that night to keep vigil for a boy he calls both son and comrade. Long there and then in vigil I stood, dimly around me the battlefield spreading. Vigil wondrous and vigil sweet there in the fragrant silent night. The speaker stays with the body all night. Till at latest lingering of the night, indeed just as the dawn appeared, my comrade I wrapped in his blanket enveloped well his form folded the blanket well, tucking it carefully overhead and carefully under feet. 
and there and then, and bathed by the rising sun, my son in his grave, in his rude grave, I deposited. Ending my vigil strange with that, vigil of night and battlefield dim, vigil for boy of responding kisses, never again on earth responding. Vigil for comrades swiftly slain, vigil I never forget how as day brightened I rose from the chill ground and folded my soldier well in his blanket and buried him where he fell. Like in most of his poems, the soldier remains nameless, which means that he could be anyone, known or unknown, Yankee or rebel, any of the more than 600,000 men who perished in the war. Whitman continued to visit the hospitals on and off throughout the war. He once estimated that he had visited somewhere between 80,000 and 100,000 soldiers. He also wrote that, after his time in the hospitals, the pages of his notebooks were actually stained with soldiers' blood. Walt Whitman would have a long and fruitful life and career as a writer, right up to his death in 1892. But he always thought about his hospital years as something central to his life. Those three years I consider the greatest privilege and satisfaction, and of course, the most profound lesson of my life. Those years of hospital visits represent a tremendous act of service to his fellow Americans during a time of war. While we tend to remember him as one of America's great poets, Walt Whitman's sacrificial charity during the Civil War may be his greatest legacy. But we can also be thankful he was a writer, Although he once claimed that the real war will never get in the books, Walt Whitman's diaries, letters, poems, and memoirs constitute a powerful eyewitness account, a moving record of one man's mind and heart during this bloody chapter in the story of American history. And great job on that, Robbie, and thank you to Hillsdale professor Kelly Franklin for telling us about a great man and a part of his life so few people know. Walt Whitman's story, the story of the American Civil War, this is Our American Stories. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth no matter who you are. Mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 